It's been just over a century since Turkish control of the Holy Land collapsed after almost 700 years of Muslim occupation. With the end of World War I, decisions were made that would put in place the resurrection of a Jewish state by 1948. The 20th century was an amazing fulfillment of Bible prophecy from the pages of the Hebrew Scriptures and the New Testament. So what does all of this mean to you? Well, Jesus prophesied the generation that witnesses the blossoming of the fig tree, the nation of Israel, will also see his return. Shalom, and thank you for watching Jerusalem Channel. We're based in Jerusalem where the Lord Jesus told his disciples to go and share the good news of his resurrection to all of the world. And that's what we share to a global audience each week in our Exploits TV show. Jerusalem is a special place in the heart of every believer, but almost half the city's population lives below the poverty line. That's why our ministry's humanitarian outreach has worked with local ministries, supporting food banks and assistance to donating fully equipped ambulances. As we celebrate 40 years of Christian compassion with the people and the land of the book, we value your help in continuing the Jerusalem Channel. The donate button at our website or at our app is the simple way for you to give a gift to keep our Watchman on the Wall lamp burning in these last days. I'm Christine Darg. The famous Balfour Declaration was a public statement issued by the British government November 2, 1917, during the First World War, announcing support for the establishment of a national home for the long-persecuted Jewish people in the Holy Land. The declaration was contained in a letter from Britain's Foreign Secretary, Arthur Balfour, to a leader of the British Jewish community, Lord Rothschild. Then, in the very next month, December 1917, British and Allied forces captured the holy city of Jerusalem. It was a triumphant victory of World War I. The conquest of Jerusalem, after almost seven centuries of Muslim Ottoman rule, was hailed as both a Hanukkah miracle for the Jews and a Christmas present for the British. The fact that Jerusalem's capture actually happened during the Jewish festival of Hanukkah was indeed providential. This 1917 cartoon prophetically made the connection between Allenby and the Jewish Maccabean heroes who had cleansed and rededicated the second Jewish temple, which is the theme of the Hanukkah holiday. The illustration compared General Allenby's capture of Jerusalem to the victory of the Jewish Maccabean Revolt when the temple was rededicated and cleansed. Two days after the Turkish forces occupying the city raised a white truce flag to Allied forces, British General Sir 
Edmund Allenby entered Jerusalem through the Jaffa Gate on foot. Allenby was described by Lawrence of Arabia as a morally great man, and Allenby had made the decision to dismount from his horse before entering Jaffa Gate, an intentional contrast to the perceived arrogance of Kaiser Wilhelm II, who, when previously visiting in 1898, had entered the decorated streets of the old city mounted on a white horse. But Allenby believed only the Lord Jesus should properly ride into Jerusalem. As a devout, Bible-believing Christian, Allenby's exploits in the Middle East made him one of the most important British generals and field marshals who has ever lived. He was the first Christian in many centuries to control Jerusalem. But he didn't lord himself over the people. Not only was he a great soldier, he was also a diplomat. In declaring martial law in Jerusalem, Allenby promised that every sacred building and every customary place of prayer of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam would be maintained, honored, and protected. It's important to point out how forward-thinking this was. After Allenby's capture of Jerusalem, a cartoon showed crusade warrior Richard the Lionheart rejoicing with the caption, The Last Crusade, My Dream Comes True. But Allenby shunned allusions to the controversial crusades. And the people appreciated his sensitivity by entering Jerusalem on foot as a sign of modesty and greatness. In fact, Psalm 122 would have been an appropriate caption for his entrance. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. In his book, Hidden Prophecies in the Psalms, J.R. Church noted that Allenby had prayed that he might take Jerusalem without destroying the holy places. And Allenby had received a scripture verse, Isaiah 31.5, which amazingly declares, As birds flying, so will the Lord of hosts defend Jerusalem. Defending also, he will deliver it. And passing over, he will preserve it. Allenby was so inspired by that rhema word that he ordered aircraft to fly over Jerusalem. Pamphlets were dropped calling for immediate surrender of the Turks, and the flyers were signed by Allenby. Providentially, the Turks believed in an old adage that they would never lose control of the holy city until a man of Allah came to deliver it. And so the signature of Allenby on the papers dropped from the sky was interpreted by the Turks to mean that the general was giving orders in the name of their god, Allah. And they surrendered the city without firing a single shot. How amazing that God is always in the details. And with the Lord, nothing is by chance. He sees the end from the beginning, even that the name Allenby would sound like Allah. Well, General Allenby received the keys to the city from the Islamic authorities. And one headline proclaimed, Jerusalem is rescued by British after 673 years of Muslim rule. So Islamic control was surrendered in 1917 to Great Britain, which was the main world power at that time. And Britain was strongly identified as a Christian nation. Tragically, by the time the British exited the Holy Land in 1948, many had fallen into apostasy and had resisted 
much of God's plan to restore the Jewish people. Yet, I believe God still remembers Britain's heroes. And in Hebrew root circles, much has been made prophetically of the name British. In Hebrew, British is a combination of the words Brit, meaning covenant, and Ish, meaning man, thus covenant man. I believe God remembers the British Christian Zionists, the explorers and missionaries of the past, and we believe God has yet blessings stored up for Britain if the church will repent and turn back to God. Now this is fascinating. Let's fast forward 100 years from December 1917 to December 2017 when American President Donald Trump delivered good on his promise to recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital and to move the U.S. Embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Was Trump's timing a coincidence? Or is God in control of current events far more than we realize? Just as Allenby's conquest was called a Hanukkah miracle and a Christmas present, so President Trump officially made his decrees in the holiday season of 2017. Were the events 100 years apart cosmically connected? Well, many rabbis believe so. And they were jubilant, heralding Trump's Jerusalem proclamation as a sign for the rebuilding of the Third Temple. Within a week of Trump's Jerusalem proclamation, hundreds of Israelis and tourists gathered inside Jaffa Gate near the Tower of David Museum to celebrate the centenary of Allenby's historic conquest. His descendant, Viscount Henry Allenby, was presented with the keys to the city by the mayor of Jerusalem at a symbolic ceremony at the Citadel on the same steps where General Allenby had addressed the people of Jerusalem. I greatly appreciate that Britain's Christian Zionists achieved great exploits, and they were not ashamed of their Bibles. They were biblically correct and not just politically correct. Even before the 1917 Balfour Declaration and Allenby's conquest of Jerusalem, in 1836, Britain's Lord Palmerston, a statesman who was twice prime minister in the mid-19th century, had made up his mind to appoint a British consul to Jerusalem. Palmerston gave instructions for the construction of an Anglican church in the city, Christ Church, which is a very anointed place of worship in Jerusalem and where our ministry has been privileged to hold prayer and worship convocations from time to time. Christ Church is the oldest Protestant church in the Middle East and is itself a monument to Bible prophecy. Palmerston was greatly influenced in this decision by Lord Shaftesbury, another prominent Christian Zionist. Shaftesbury was a pre-millennial evangelical Anglican who believed in the imminent second coming of Jesus. Sadly, we have to wonder, how many Anglicans today are looking for the imminent return of the Lord? Shaftesbury was an early advocate of the restoration of the Jews to the Holy Land, and he provided the first proposal by a major politician to resettle Jews in the Holy Land. You see, in those days, British leaders believed in the Bible, and they were well-versed with the Bible's end-time prophecies concerning God's promise that the Jewish people would return back to their own land. These bold statesmen went against the tide and allowed their Christian upbringing to guide them and to inspire them to help found the Jewish state. 
Furthermore, the blood of Gentile believers from the ends of the earth helped to pave the way for the reestablishment of the Jewish state. So also in 2017, descendants of the Australian Light Horse regiments traveled thousands of miles to the Israeli desert city of Beersheba to retrace the hoof prints of their horses. They reenacted the last successful cavalry charge in history to capture Beersheba from the Turks. Another great British visionary for the Jewish state was Captain Ord Wingett, who believed in going on the offense with daring ambushes against the Arabs. Wingett helped to mentor the Israeli military leader Moshe Dayan. The warfare of the day had been based upon walls and guard towers, but Wingett taught the fledgling Israeli soldiers to go outside the barbed wire, to befriend the night, to move fast, to strike in ways at hours and from directions that the enemy least expected. Wingett's mindset was influenced by his upbringing in the Plymouth Brethren, a Christian denomination sometimes referred to as Old Testament Christians. Diane claimed that Wingett knew the books of Moses better than any Talmudic scholar. And because Wingett knew the Bible, he loved not just the land of Israel, but the aspiration that contemporary Jews could recreate the Israel of the Bible. In fact, Israel's bringing back to life became his passion. And Diane testified Wingett's vision for this land was identical to ours. The biblical judge Gideon was Wingett's mentor right from the pages of the book of Judges in the Bible. Because he especially identified with Gideon and Gideon's battle-hardened band of men, he naturally felt at home at Kibbutz Ein Harod, where Gideon had fought in biblical times and where Gideon's men had stopped to drink at the spring, still today known as Gideon's Spring. Wingett used the Kibbutz as a military base because he imbibed of the spirit of Gideon there. And like Gideon, Wingett advocated fighting at night, using stealth and surprise, taking the battle to the enemy with unconventional tactics, unconventional timing, and unconventional weaponry. We mustn't forget that Wingett's attitudes towards Zionism were heavily influenced by his Christian eschatology, the study of the end times. And because of his biblical beliefs, Wingett suffered injustices due to political correctness. During his leave in Britain, he spoke publicly in favor of a Jewish state, and this resulted in his superiors removing him from his command in the Holy Land, despite the fact that he had received a distinguished service order for his campaigns. In May 1939, Wingett was transferred to Britain, Yet he remained a hero of the Jewish community, and he was loved by legendary leaders who had trained under him. Moshe Dayan claimed, Wingett taught us everything we know. Likewise, an Irish-born British officer, Lieutenant Colonel John Henry Patterson, has been described as the godfather of the Israel Defense Forces. Patterson was born in 1867 and died in 1947, just one year before the establishment of the Jewish state. In the First World War, Patterson was the commander of the Jewish Legion, which was the first Jewish fighting force in nearly two millennia. Think about that. Patterson was born to a Protestant father 
and a Catholic mother, but he became a Protestant due to his understanding of the Bible. He joined the British Army to become a major figure, champion Zionism, as the commander of both the Zion Mule Corps and later the Jewish Legion. Decades later, the Jewish Legion would eventually serve as the foundation of the Israeli Defense Forces. In 1915, Patterson was made commander of the 750-man Zion Mule Corps. When swearing in the new volunteers, he invited them to pray with him that he shouldn't just behold Canaan from afar like Moses did, but that he would be divinely permitted to lead them into the promised land. Of the training camp, Patterson wrote, Never since the days of Judah Maccabee had such sights and sounds been seen and heard in a military camp with the drilling of uniformed soldiers in the Hebrew language. During his time in command of the British Army's Jewish Legion, Patterson was forced to deal with extensive ongoing anti-Semitism toward his men, and after 35 years of service, he retired from the Army in 1920 as a lieutenant colonel, the same rank he had held when the war started. Why had he not been promoted to a higher rank? Well, it's generally believed that he essentially sacrificed any opportunity for promotion due to his tireless efforts to ensure that his men were treated fairly. But Patterson continued to support Zionism. He remained a strong advocate of justice for the Jewish people and a promoter of a Jewish army to fight the Nazis and to stop the Holocaust. In fact, he was a member of the emergency committee to save the Jewish people of Europe. During the Second World War, he energetically continued to work for the establishment of the Jewish state. Patterson was close friends with many Zionist leaders, including Jewish Legion co-founder Zeev Jabotinsky and Israeli historian Ben Zion Netanyahu, father of Benjamin Netanyahu, who became Israel's longest-serving prime minister. In fact, Prime Minister Netanyahu's famous brother, Yonatan, the hero of the 1976 Antebi raid was named after John Patterson. Time will not allow me to tell of all the brave pioneers who reconquered the Holy Land and gained what was promised. They became mighty in battle and put foreign armies to flight. Modern-day heroes, the invincible Jewish Maccabees of our time, continue to be raised up by the Almighty. There is no coincidence in the extraordinary events of the 20th century that led to the rebirth of Israel. God orchestrated history to bring us to this moment. And I want to finish with a word that I recently received from the Lord that summarizes this great prophecy coming to pass. And I'm going to read it to you now. In the beginning of the end, the Lord God remembered his words through the prophet Hosea, I will go away and return to my place on high until they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. After two days, I will revive them. And on the third day, I will raise them up that they may live in my sight. For truly as one day is as a thousand years with the Lord. So Israel was scattered for two days. Yet I hid my face for only two days because they are the apple of my eye. 
They are graven upon the palms of my hands. As surely as the sun rises, I will appear, says the Lord. I will come to you like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. It is not only for your sake, O Israel, that I am restoring you, says the Lord, but it is for the sake of my holy name as a testimony before a profane and rebellious world. For I am a covenant-keeping God. I made an everlasting covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give this land to their descendants. I do not break covenants as do human traitors and truce breakers, but I, the Lord, made an everlasting covenant with the house of Israel. And at this time, the world will see that I have kept faith with my heritage. Although I scattered them to all nations, yet I have never forgotten them. And I will restore them with all of my heart and with all of my soul. O oh, my people, did I not promise through my prophet Ezekiel that I would open your graves and resurrect you out of the horrors of the Holocaust and the perils of the pogroms? Have I not done miracles of resurrection on your behalf in the face of an unbelieving world? As in the days of the Bible, I put my hand upon individual men whom the world would not have chosen. Yet I chose Theodore Herzl and gave him vision for the third commonwealth of Israel. And although many places and names were put forward, such as Zion or Judah, my sovereign will prevailed and the resurrected nation in my land was given its biblical name, Eretz Yisrael, the land of Israel, the modern state of Israel in its own land, with my menorah as its national emblem, declares the Lord when I look down from heaven upon my land. I do not see a nation called Palestine, for the Romans in mockery renamed the province of Judea and the land of Israel after the Philistines. They did this resentfully to obliterate the link between my people and their homeland, to keep the world from recognizing and remembering the land of Israel. But behold, when I look upon the region, what do I, the Lord, see? I see Egypt, my people, Assyria, the ongoing work of my hands, and Israel, mine inheritance, to become a blessing in the midst of the earth. I see a highway of holiness, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, when my son Yeshua soon returns to reign upon the throne of his ancestral father David in Jerusalem. And thus the law shall go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem when I restore the kingdom to Israel at this time. I, the Lord, have been active in recent history, sending out the fishers and the hunters to bring home my people in preparation for the thousand-year rule of King Messiah from Jerusalem. I sent Zaev Jabotinsky and Joseph Trumpledor and many activists to warn my people to come home and many returned, wave upon wave, and by the sweat of their brows, they drained swamps and redeemed the land that had lay fallow for centuries and was denuded. I raised up Eliezer ben Yehuda, who heard my trumpet call to restore the Hebrew tongue of the prophets. And from my evangelical lions in Britain, I put my hand upon men who fulfilled the words of my prophets. My evangelicals passed the vision of restoration to Jewish circles. Even my heroic champion, William Heschler, 
was my strong shadow figure behind Jewish aspirations in the Holy Land. Indeed, Heschler was co-founder of the State of Israel as he held up the arms of Theodore Herzl. Says the Lord, I put within the hearts of my evangelical pioneers the duty of every believer to love my ancient people, the Jews, to whom every Bible believer is indebted, for they preserve the scriptures and the lineage of the Savior. Without prejudice, my servant Heschler rightly observed from the scriptures that the Jewish people would first return to their own land in unbelief, and only after they are settled in their own land will I pour out my Holy Spirit upon them once again. I also brought my people to Switzerland, and there they remembered Zion and laid the foundation for the new old land. By faith, Herzl was commissioned by Messiah, as were Balfour, Shaftesbury, Allenby, and my faithful warriors, Wingen and Patterson, who all by faith helped to prepare the modern state. It was their allegiance to the risen Lord that gave them the courage and the vision to call for the reestablishment of a Jewish state. Says the Lord, my hand was also upon my lion, David Ben-Gurion, and my handmaiden, Golda Meir, who was gifted to raise funds for the beleaguered state. And the miracle of independence was written on a scroll with only one name of the Almighty acknowledged, the Rock of Israel. Yea, it was the Rock who followed my people in the wilderness, the Rock that poured forth living water, and that Rock was Messiah. Even now I have raised up many bridge builders amongst the peoples of the book who were repairing the breach and returning the baton of salvation to Israel. The world will see the unwavering faithfulness of God for there is still a place for Israel in my plan in these last days, says the Lord. And my plan is unfolding before your eyes when the kingdom will be restored to Israel. Then shall my people know that I am the Lord their God, which caused them to be led into captivity amongst the nations. But I have regathered them into their own land, and neither will I hide my face from them any more. For I will pour out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord God. Yes, in those days and at that time, after many jubilees in which the land lay fallow, know that when I restore Judah and Jerusalem from captivity, then will I also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will enter into judgment against them concerning my people." my inheritance, Israel, whom they scattered amongst the nations, and they divided up my land. Therefore know the times, know the season, says the Lord. And to my Israel, I warn you all, do not be deceived by the false Messiah who is to come, the man of sin, the pretender, the imposter, the anti-Messiah. I forbid you to take his mark, says the Lord. But wait, for the times of restoration for all things, which I have spoken by the mouth of all the holy prophets since the world began. After 6,000 years of human rebellion, my son will rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years during the Sabbath millennium. Amen and amen. And that's the word that the Lord gave to me recently. So my friend, all the signs that Jesus gave us are converging now and warning us that he will soon return. 
It's my prayer that without delay, you will receive the Lord Jesus into your heart. For the Bible teaches in Romans 1, 4, Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. So if you have any questions or comments, feel free to share with me on social media. And we invite you to visit our website, exploits.tv, where you can click online to receive our weekly email and you can watch all of our videos 24-7. Don't forget to download our free Jerusalem Channel app where you can also view our video library. And please subscribe to our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm Christine Dark, Maranatha, and Shalom. Sail Away by Christine Dark. 44 years ago, Christine and her husband Peter sold all their possessions to buy tickets on a round-the-world voyage, exploring the Caribbean onto South America, across the Atlantic to South Africa, then onto India, Sri Lanka, Singapore, Hong Kong, and Communist China, and finally Japan and Hawaii. The exploits of that three months at sea recalled in Christine's new audiobook, Sail Away. Set sail with more than three and a half hours of exploring the world. Sail Away by Christine Darg is now available to download from the audible.com website. So enjoy a voyage of spiritual discovery as you listen to Christine read Sail Away, discovering the Holy Spirit on a world cruise.